me? Please write, uh, do you hear me? Yes, okay, very good. I'm so glad that the computer is working. Last week, uh, I simply, I was struggling with my computer. By the time I, I was able to enter the class, you were already out because it was like 8.30 before, 8.20 before I managed to enter. Now, thank goodness uh, it's working. Um, I see new, new names here, and uh, uh, Debbie, January, uh, I, don't think you, I, I don't know if you were, if you were here before, uh, Jeff and Jennifer. Uh, of course, if you have any, uh, don't be discouraged if, if, if there are some new concepts that you're not familiar. Uh, so I would urge you to stay with us. And very soon, as we finish, uh, as we're going to finish this commandment, we are now already number five, and we have only one more commandment to go. Uh, once we finish that, our class will start a new cycle, and uh, then you can probably brush up your your knowledge and you will start from fresh. So don't be discouraged. Uh, do you have any static? I don't know why. Um, do you have this static? Uh, is something wrong with my, on my side? I don't know. Maybe I'll diminish the voice. Not now. Okay. I probably I, I just cut off the the the, the voice. Okay. Uh, I I see all these uh, familiar names here. That's better. So I think it's just something in the microphone here. I have a very sensitive microphone now. Like I bought a new new camera, so maybe that's the problem. Uh, Linda Flora, uh, I owe you from the convention a question about you asked me. I remember uh, the the I/O key of the names. And we will address that one day as we come to it. Uh, and thank you all for being with me. So, uh, as we said uh, last year, last last class, uh, we are starting. We already started uh, justice, uh, and we discussed. The last time, what uh, what justice is, uh, uh, the content, uh, the setup of the halachic discussion. What is justice for Ben Noach? Is it uh, just court to set up court or to set up uh, the system? We discuss it at length. Uh, uh, you can go back to the class 55. Um, is it a positive or negative commandment? We discussed that, but then we said we are, we are going to move to the story of Jacob because the story of Jacob, of course, you can learn Jacob from various aspects or point of view, uh, but we, we, are, uh, we are here going to, to analyze Jacob and Esau's story. Uh, from the point of view of justice, because Jacob is fighting for justice. So, uh, before we start, and this is like introduction to the story of uh, Jacob, I wish you can all open up your Bible at uh, chapter 25. This is actually to, uh, this week, Pasha told us, Genesis 25. Verse 19. We're going to read that very soon. But uh, as I want to point out to you that, uh, and I will repeat some of the things that you already mentioned before in last class, just to kind of get into the mood. Hello, Mary, and hello, everyone else. Uh, Russell probably went out. Okay? So, um, as we mentioned last time, uh, the, the society 
you know, we are talking about justice. So what is the society that uh, Jacob was born into? And we said it's a very profound to, uh, observation to, to understand that the trial and tribulation of Jacob are completely different than Noah and Abraham. Remember, Noah was, a, was born into a society that was inflicted by terrible personal uh, unsafety. Uh, there was no war. There were, the society is not depicted as having uh, countries in the war, but the personal personal level was unsafe. Uh, say unsafe. They were mugging. We discussed how people gangs were murdering. Tubalkain. The children of Elohim on one side, the children of Shet on the other side, each one is in his own ideology, a lower Wasserbeck. So, so each, each of those uh, uh, side of society, they slid into mugging, murder, and rape, and uh, they committed without shame uh, under the watching sun. So this is Noah's side, Noah, Noah society. And his struggle, as you remember, was against mainly bloodshed, or combination of bloodshed and theft, which is the Rashi called Hamas. It's a unique, uh, violent, violent theft, or violent bloodshed. So this is uh, the generation of Noah. Of course, there was idolatry, but they didn't really, they are not depicted as, uh, as worshipping idol of stone and, and wood like the Canaanite later, their idolatry was a different level. Their idolatry was that each side, uh, they, you know, remember one worship uh, Hashem, one worship Elohim, and, and because of the lack of oneness, because uh, they did combine Elohim and Hashem to one, so each, each, each from, for each side from his own perspective, slid into terrible bloodshed and on a personal level. So this was Noah, and we see him fighting against it all his life, and his revelation after the, the rainbow. The rainbow covenant is all about that. If you don't, if you don't understand that, there is no meaning for the rainbow covenant, which is completely dedicated to the story, to eradication of bloodshed. This is the Noah. In contrast, completely contrast to that, when Abraham came ten generations later, Society was a completely different shape. You remember the story of Nimrod, the Babylonian tower. Uh, the, 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 the world was, was divided into countries speaking different languages. Empire was uh, were uh, assembled and erected, and they were engaged in war. As we see the story of Abraham, the five five kings against four kings fighting. They captured slaves. They captured territory and and tax, the issue of taxing there. So it's all, all of acquiring wealth through what? Through a, an organized, organized theft and abduction. So here humanity, so to speak, is sled, has sled from, from bloodshed, from number three of, 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 of Noah time to number four. Number four is now Abraham society. So Abraham was born into the ten generation it took Hashem to cultivate, so to speak, Abraham, to bring forth such a strong, strong uh, soul like Abraham. And Abraham was dedicated to fight against this malady, against war, against uh, slavery. He called Hashem, you remember the name of he called Hashem, he related to him. Uh, as a my owner Adonai, he will buy uh, the heaven and the earth. Malkitzedek referred to him, telling, "Blessed be Abraham to to the Adonai to owner who buy the heaven and earth." So the buyer of the heaven or earth, the Chazal said, the Midrash said, the Rabbi said that nobody before Abraham ever referred to Hashem as the buyer or the one who owns. Even the health, because otherwise there is no meaning to that. What do you mean, owner? The Greek, the Roman, nobody really 
uh, believe that the, the God is the owner. What is ownership to do with, with, with gods? And yet, uh, this is the new thing that Abraham, Abraham introduced. So you can't believe in Abraham. You can't understand Abraham if you don't know that this is the crux of his, his faith. This is what brought him into, into, in, into the faith. The recognition that there is a, a, a owner, there is a creator, there is an artist who made the, the, this beautiful world. And he acquired the artist. He has the right of the artist uh, on this on this world the same way that I have a, an art a, I have a, a right on my on on anything that I produce in art a literature whatever so because he created it so he is he is an artist and he is he owns everything because he he is made us well what does it what does it mean it has a lot of implication. It means that if, if he owns me, then he owns everything, then I cannot grab, I cannot grab territories from, from another country. I cannot grab uh, and territories uh, from, from, from and, and slave. Uh, how, how, how tragic it is that, you know, Israel, of all people who believe in that, there is no other country, no other faithful believer preach that. And Israel is now accused, even in the land of Israel, as, as if we are uh, grabbing, grabbing uh, territory for somebody else. Well, the land of Israel is, is belongs to Israel from the time of the Bible. And Israel has never, never developed an empire. Not in the time of David, not in the time of Jeroboam, not in the time of King Solomon. Even when Israel had an army, even when Israel was very mighty, still... They never went out to conquer other people's land because the top of prohibited. You cannot grab from from, an, uh, from, from another nation uh, land unless they wage war against you, like King David did to to Moabite or to to the Syrian. But uh, but uh, uh, conceptually, you, you cannot build an empire. Uh, so, so Abraham all come from Abraham from this notion that uh, Shem is the owner. He allocates the land to whoever he, he, he wishes. There are seventy nations of Noah, and each got, got his own territory, and nobody should should mess up with this. And 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 of course, uh, nobody should grab slaves and territory from another. So that's Abraham's face. Uh, my, my my whole life. Is subject to Hashem, Madonai, and my and and is my circum circumcision is the emblem of his of, of the master in our flesh, as the as this phone or many commentaries say. So that's the meaning of circumcision, as if a, if you if you uh, uh, <coughs> as if a, you you put an emblem on a cow belong to you. Everybody will see the. You see the, the, the cow, you, he knows that he recognizes this belongs to, to this fellow. So everybody will see circumcision, he knows that, the circum, that this person belongs to Hashem. That's the idea of circumcision. So all that is, is nice, uh, uh, we already learned it, just to, we just kind of going over that again, in contrast to Jacob time. Jacob, we don't see him at all in the fighting for the faith. He's not fighting for, 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 for idolatry. He doesn't, he doesn't spread the, the faith. Jacob, uh, society is actually more settled down. We don't see that he can travel from place to place and nobody trouble him on the way. There is no war. We don't see any war. So society is more kind of consolidated. There are more peace. Peace in his time, as, in, as opposed to the time of Abraham, at least according to the story. But his whole life is occupied with another type of war. Not against kings and against, again for the face. He's not thrown to the oven. He's not sacrificing his life. All his life is, is struggling just for personal right. For the right to, for the firstborn right. 
the right to be uh, to be to marry the woman he loved Rachel and, and Leah you know where uh, his father-in-law changed his bride in the, in, in, in the in the wedding night he shout he shout I mean how can you do that you you my right is to to marry the woman I I, I, I love how can you deny that so it's a personal it's a personal struggle. Then he's fight for compensation. Laban is cheating him. Other people cheat him. Uh, the struggle against his brother is a personal struggle. Esau. And then when he turned to Israel, to the land of Israel, his daughter, uh, he lived in a citizen in the city of Shechem, and his daughter is being captured and, and, and raped. So again, it's a fight against against some against his right. Somebody would take his right to live as a citizen. So uh, Jacob fight against the uh, injustice and for his right, and against lies. Every time Esau and all the other nation and everybody uh, misunderstanding, spread lies about him, and he's a uh, so this is his personal. Struggle. That's that's what Jacob is, and that's what Israel is all about. So, if you ask me, what Israel? Because Israel is Jacob. So Israel is is the the foremost the foremost function of Israel in the world is to spread justice, and not so much uh, faith and, and and redemption and and and, uh, and the resurrection and the world at the end of time. Uh, as much as, as righteousness in this world, righteousness right now, keeping the law justice. Don't spread lies on me. Don't take my right. Personal right. Is it a small thing? We already analyzed, we already said last week, or two weeks ago in last class, that Elohim actually, Elohim, and Elohim created the world, Elohim is the attribute of justice. And this is Elohim, that's what Elohim does. He created everything to stand in justice. So when we, when we do, when we commit justice between us, we actually emulate Hashem. So, so only Judaism, as only the Torah has elevated ever the, 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 the justice between men and men to such a level. No other religion actually made it a sacred, a sacred ground. Not the singing of hallelujah and hugging each other, but justice. Don't, don't take my jasma, my right away. That's Elohim. Uh, we follow Elohim. Of course, we have other aspects of Judaism. But, but uh, Israel, Jacob, this is his fight. He's not fighting to spread, to spread the, uh, the faith, like Abraham and Noah did. All right, so this was like an introduction. And now uh, we're going to read, start reading the, 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 uh, the verse. Actually, we did start reading it last time. We're going to read it again at 25. And and we will see how 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 beautifully the Torah introduced the character here, the, uh, uh, first uh, Jacob and Esau parents, and then she will focus on Jacob and Esau again. Let's remember from the point of view of justice and personal justice and merit. This is our focus now. So let's read. Uh, I read it for read it together. Twenty five. And these are the histories of Isaac, the son of Abraham. In fact, the word, the Hebrew word, it's not histories as it's translated usually, but the descendant. These are the descendant of Isaac, the son of Abraham, because he's going to talk about Esau and Jacob, the twins. So he says, these are the history of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Abraham has begotten Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramite, 
from Aram, from Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramite, to his wife. We already asked last time, well, uh, why does the Torah repeat all this story? We already know who, who, who Rebecca is. We already know that Isaac is. Why the repetition that uh, Isaac was the son of Abraham and Abraham was begotten Isaac? We already, what's the repetition here? And Rebecca, we already know from last, from, from the previous chapter, and the story of the camels and she, how she, she watered all the, all the caravan. So we already know that her, her, who, who she came from, but, so, but, but the point is, we said, there is, a, there is a special emphasis here on the character of Isaac and, and Rebecca. So what is all the story all about? First of all, uh, let's read it again, and these are the history of uh, the descendant of Isaac, the son, the son of Abraham. Abraham had begotten Isaac. That's, of course, a repetition, but as we said, as Rashi says, this is actually not the word of the Torah, but the word of people who watched Isaac. If they watch Isaac and Abraham, they say, oh, Abraham begot me Isaac. Because the whole, Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born, and, and Hashem made a miracle that Isaac looked like Abraham, externally, so that there was no question that uh, Abraham was a, 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 is a true father. Remember, Sarah was taken uh, to captivity, so no, it was not Avimelech, the king of, of, of uh, Gaza Street, and it was not Pharaoh, but it was Abraham who, who was the father of Isaac, because there was no doubt they resembled each other externally. And then she took Rebecca, and of course Abraham is a righteous person, so Isaac is a righteous person too, and both of them are righteous. Now the Torah continued that Rebecca, she's a daughter of Betuel. So the, the Midrash says why they mention here again that she's the daughter of Betuel, because Betuel was the master of all wicked people. He's a cheater, he's a liar, he was known Aramite. Aramite in Hebrew is also cheater from Padam Aram, and, and the, she, uh, she's the sister of Laban. Laban is the, the fellow who's going to cheat later on Isaac, uh, Jacob. The father, Laban is the father of, of Leah and Rachel. And we know how he's going to treat his, his, uh, his, uh, his nephew, Jacob, and he finally gets to him. So here are the two people, are wicked people, uh, lost so money and cheat and, and do all commit all are pagans and 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 yet Rebecca came out as a rose from the thorn. That's a Midrash said. As a rose, a beautiful rose that arises from such a big bad background. So here she comes uh, from such a family and they meet and they and this is Rebecca and Isaac. Now, so Rebecca is considered a, a righteous, the daughter of a wicked, whereas uh, Isaac is a righteous, the son of a righteous. So, what is the difference? The Isaac, Isaac is 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 a uh, what, what's the character of Isaac? Isaac, uh, as opposed to Abraham, you know, we just said that Abraham resembled, Isaac resembled Abraham, but uh, only externally. The Isaac life was completely opposite than Abraham. Isaac uh, is depicted as a shy, not as a shy, but an introvert. He, he, never, he never led any allies. He never went to war. It, it doesn't even depict it as mixed much with people in his generation. And he lived like a sacred, secluded life. He was a wealthy person, but he was not depicted as a so, especially social character. He's not a prince of the land like Abraham did. 
But so he was a righteous. He was on the altar. He never went. He went. He never went out of the land of Israel. He lived like a holy, holy sacrifice. The the the, the, the his experience on on the altar has affected all his life. So all his life is dedicated to the worship of Hashem. He was a very pious. He never seen, and he never had any bad inclination. He never had any tribulation. And you know, there is no story about him beside the Arcade, beside the binding. So that's Isaac, a righteous and a son of a righteous, a completely pious person. As opposed to Rebecca. Now Rebecca, uh, she is a, a grown, she grew up in such a house, wicked house. In her house, in her father's home, she probably witnesses a lot of things. How, how things are conducted in the real world, cheating and business and, and, and all that things that you can imagine in such a world. So she knew the world of, the way of the world. Uh, she had a very bad background, yet she came out as a righteous person. So she's a righteous, the daughter of a wicked. So it's a big difference between them. So now, uh, you can say that uh, Rebecca was actually stronger in this fashion because she really knew the world. So nobody could cheat. Nobody could cheat or uh, Rebecca. She she could detect a liar right right away. Nobody could could uh, pretend anything to to Rebecca. That's why later on she she see Esau how he was. Isaac, on the other hand, was such an innocent person that uh, he could be misled easily. Now, the question is, of course, now we have two characters, two righteous people. Both of them are righteous. But the question is, who is greater, Rebecca or Isaac? So here comes the story, the Torah, the Torah tell you, we read it again, it's now verse 21. Any question for me so far? Please pause. If you have any question, please pause for me, and I'll stop and I'll answer the question. So Isaac entreated Hashem across from his wife, for she was barren. And Hashem was entreated by him, and Rebecca and his wife conceived. So now, having introduced the, the, the parents, uh, so the the the, the uh, they were married for 10 years and they, and they had no child. And the Torah says here, because she was born. The rabbi said that Isaac was born too. Now, Isaac is now praying to Hashem across from his wife because she was born. And, 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 the, and the, well, see, why is a cross? And in fact, why was she burned? And 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 the Torah here, the here, uh, the rabbi asked, why is it that almost all our mothers were burned? It took them a while before they they gave birth. We know Sarah. We know Sarah took her so many years to bring Isaac. Now Rebecca is is burned, and later on Rachel, and so on. So why are and Hannah, the the mother of of uh, of uh, Samuel in, in, in the book of Samuel. So why are these, these women, important women, uh, are barren before they give birth to such important people? So one of the explanations they give, and that's a very profound explanation, because what Hashem made them, the women barren because Hashem loved their prayer, to answer their prayer. So they ask, why is it important? Uh, Hashem could 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 could, uh, could could intervene with other facets of her life. Why the why the children? And the answer is very profound. Maybe because Hashem, uh, the, when the mother is praying, she provides the spiritual environment for the for the embryo. The embryo come out better. All these mothers that pray to Hashem. At the time of her pregnancy, they gave to very, very spiritual, very precious children. 
So that's the virtue of the mother. The mother provides such an environment in the uterus by a prayer, by a devotion, by a crying to Hashem, that the shul somehow, we don't know how, we don't know, we, we may imagine how, but it's, it affects the embryo. So that's why Hashem wanted her to pray, to bring two righteous people. And here I put a note, a vendor, as vendor, remember he was telling us, I think in last convention, that his mother used to, the mother, when, he, when she was pregnant, she finished the, the Bible, the Old Testament, reading to him uh, many times. When he, when he was still in her belly. So when he was, she, she saw to it that she will hear, he will hear the, the Old Testament um, when, he was still, when, when he was still in her belly. And this is the same idea. So we understand that, but why, why, uh, wh- why did she pray? Uh, she also prayed not only to have children, the Talmud says, but to have 12 children. She, she wanted to have all her children righteous. She was fearful that like Abraham, Abraham, remember before her, had Isaac and Ishmael one good, one bad, and she didn't want that. She wanted two, two righteous boys or children. In fact, she didn't want only two. She, she was hoping to have the twelve. The Midrash says, uh, there was a, she had a feeling that she is destined to be the mother of the Jewish people, and she hoped, she prayed that she will have twelve children rather than just one or two. And all of them righteous. Little did she know that she would get Isa. So her prayer was uh, or to have righteous children only and to be the mother of the, of the Israel-led 12 tribes. This was her prayer. Isaac, on the, other say, on the other hand, he stood on the other corner, opposite her, and he simply prayed that uh, she was she, that the shame will listen to her. That's why it means opposite her. So he prayed and she prayed. Now, some of the rabbis said that he also prayed for himself. If if you if you accept the notion that he was also buried, so he prayed for himself, but opposite his wife. So he he made he wanted to Hashem to listen to her. So now the two righteous people stand opposite each other, and we are coming to to a very important question. The two the two righteous people, but there is no question. Both of them are righteous. Both of them are praying, but each one comes from a different background. So to whom would Hashem listen? To her or to him? Let's recall. Isaac is a righteous person who never experienced any bad thought in his life, so to speak. He's an innocent, he's, a, he's that lamb or that lamb that was on, on the altar. He never, he, never was in, he never intermingled with give and take. He was a pious, righteous man. No stories about his in. So, perfectly righteous person who, uh, who devote to his life, all his life to Hashem. So, this is a righteous, a son of a righteous, as opposed to opposite him in a corner there, uh, standing a, a, a Rebecca who come from a different background, uh, who, who have to struggle all her life with the, with the memories that she had from her father home. So to whom should Hashem listen? That's a profound question. Uh, who, who deal with that question is the Rambam. So the Rambam, in introduction of the Mishnah, he, he asked that question and he says, and, and, and let, let's see what he says. First he brings uh, the, the, the philosophers. And the philosophers say uh, that uh, uh, the perfect man, he says, a perfect man, and now listen to that. According to the Greek philosopher, 
the Rambam says, a perfect man is a perfect who never seen, never had any bad inclination, is a happy person who has no moral struggle in his life. He has no, to, he, he has no bad inclination. That's the ideal Ethiopian uh, utopia. A utopian or a person from Aristo is a person who is a completely righteous philosopher, has no trial and tribulation, is peaceful with himself, with the world, uh, is happy, he, 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 he does uh, the right things, he, he seeks also pleasure of the world as he should, and he has no trouble, and he and he's, he's a good person. So this is the ideal person that the, the Greek philosophers uh, uh, depict as the as the most as the as the idealistic mankind, man, representative of the of humanity. This is what every person should aspire to be. In fact, uh, one of the notions there that you can achieve that by study philosophy, by becoming a philosopher, by stoic posture and so on. Uh, you can develop this posture of, of aloofness, of perfectness and happiness, and, and you do the right thing. And you have no trouble. It's not good to, to indulge in, 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 in moral fighting within yourself. If you have if you have weaknesses in your in your in your character, then you fight them. But a perfect man has no 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 fault. The Rambam says this is the posture of humanity. And did the Rambam add? And he says, you know, there are some verses in the Torah that can support that. Like in Proverbs, he says, the wicked soul lust a wicked soul lust evil. Last evil. So only only a wicked one lasts evil. A righteous person doesn't even last for evil. So apparently, if a person is last evil, so he's bad. An ideal person should shouldn't last evil, according to that proverb. Or another proverb he says that the Rambam bring happiness is for the righteous uh, upon performing justice, while dread is for the evildoers. Again, happiness uh, is, uh, lies in the door of, of a person who is righteous. So this, this is a, this the Rambam brings as, 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 a, as a proof or as a support to this view. Yeah, you can find two verses in the entire Torah, it says. Actually, only those two verses that support the notion of the Greek philosophers that a perfect man Never last evil, and a perfect man is always happy. That's good. That's I, I found. He says two verses to to support it. Then the Raman turned around, and now he brings his own view, or the rabbi view. And here I quote for you, and I translate it like freely. It's a free translation from from the Hebrew. And when we search, he says, for the word of our sages on that matter. They hold that the person who lasts for sin and desire them is more important and more holy, more holy than the one who has never desired them and who has never worked hard to overcome them. So much, the rabbi said, they adore that person who, who, who fights to, to overcome his inclination, that they hold that the greater is a person, the more worthy is, the greater are his desire for sin. And the, and the greater is the work he has to undertake to overcome them. What is the Rambam saying here? The Rambam says it's just the opposite of the Greek. The Rambam says that the Torah view is that the person, the, the greater he is, he has more lust to overcome. Take King David. Take all the big character of the Jewish of the Bible. The more, the higher they are, they have more, more lust in them. You you learn, you grow. Be sure that as you grow and you learn, you have more lust, more, more the 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 bad inclination will actually grow up with you. 
And, and the person who struggles with those inclinations is more important than a person who will just live peacefully and, and, and have no, no bad inclination. What a statement is that? So the Rambam see, or the Torah sees, according to the Rambam at least, uh, the, the virtue of mankind is a moral battle in his life. We, we, are, we wage a moral battle in our life. Only a fool, only an imbecile, only on a, on a person who is default in something, has a fault in him, only such a person will never last and never see, think about evil things and will never do any desire, bad things to do. Only a, only, a, an, an, only a deficient person will do that, but a complete person, a person who is supposed to, to worship Hashem, one of, the, one, of the, one of the things that you worship Hashem is by overcoming your bad inclination. Oh, what a statement. So if you now, if you look at this and you compare Rebecca to Isaac, now there is no question. Here is a Rebecca who comes out from a bad, in, bad background and we will see next, next, if we have time, we'll continue to read, we'll see how, how can, how badly she can see, how her thought, she can really think about bad things. All her background can, 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 can flush her, her mind just because uh, she remembers things from her youth. So she had to fight this memory. And so this, and yet she's a rose among the thorn. She's a righteous person, very, uh, uh, she, she does the right things, but we struggle. She has to struggle not to, not to perpetuate what she learned in her youth. So uh, this is Rebecca, our mother Rebecca, as opposed, as opposed to Isaac who is a lamb. Never seen, never thought any bad thing in his, on his life. So, of course, according to this Rambam, uh, who, to whom Hashem would, would, should head, or heed, whose prayer should he listen to? Of course, to Rebecca. We can expect to Rebecca rather than Isaac. And indeed, it should, he would. Yet, let's see what let's see what the Torah says. The Torah says immediately afterward, as after the prayer, in verse twenty-one. I said, uh, yeah, twenty-one, twenty-two. Uh, he says, and Hashem allowed Himself to be entreated by Him, by Isaac, and his wife conceived. So Hashem listened to whom? To the righteous, the son of the righteous. Rather than to Rebecca. Why? You can ask yourself, why is it? Why is it? He should have listened to, to, to Isaac rather than Rebecca, uh, to Rebecca rather than Isaac. And the answer is the merit of Abraham. So when two, when two people stand before Hashem, uh, the righteousness of your father is very important in your prayer. Maybe when you, when you in, as individual are, are, are weighted against the, another righteous person, maybe Hashem will give you merit because, because of your own achievement, because you're overcoming your bad inclination. Yet, it's very important to have a good heritage. When he comes to Hashem to prayer, and that's it's very that's actually what what Hashem tells to Moses there, when he says, "I will remember father uh, the, the 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 merit of the father on the children," and also he says, "The weaknesses of the father I will also remember on the children." So so Hashem, you know, whatever you do, whenever we do, uh, affect our children affect our children very much. So here, here we, 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 uh, we come to the conclusion that uh, uh, so far that uh, the merit of uh, the father is, although, although individually 
the more the more bad inclination you have, uh, then then uh, actually the greater you are if you overcome it. So to have to have bad inclination doesn't mean that Hashem forsake you. Forsake you. So let's say for later on when Esau is going to be born, and we say he is born with bad inclination, as opposed to Jacob. We'll see that in a minute. If we have time. It doesn't mean that Esau has no chance to for greatness. On the contrary, according to that Rambam, uh, the more the Esau, more the more bad inclination he has, actually has a greater chance to become even greater than Jacob. So this is like a good introduction to the story of Esau and, and, and Jacob. And now we have like 15 more minutes and we're going to continue to show what kind of bad thought Rebecca could have. You can ask yourself, well, such a righteous Rebecca, how can she have any, she's the mother of the Jewish people, so how can she harbor any, any uh, bad thought? Well, let's see what, what the Torah says. Now, so she conceived. She conceived because of her, or because of her, of Isaac prayer. And, and now, and it says in the verse, in second verse, the next verse says, and the children move violently, the son actually should say, not the children, but the son move violently. It's a very important the notion that they are son. Although they are embryo, they have the right of a son in the embryo, in the fact of area. So we're talking about white, human white. Uh, the, the, the Torah here decide or declare that a, a, a child in the embryo has a, has a right of to be called as a son in inheritance. It's, it's a logic implication to, to recognize the word son here, not just children. So the son in the womb Violently uh, moved violently against each other. That's a good translation. Within a womb, and when and this occurred, she said, "Why am I?" Strange sentence. And she went to inquire Hashem. What does it mean? So, so she says, "Why am I?" So the children, she she suffered unusual pain. She doesn't know why. So why am I what? The Torah didn't, didn't finish, didn't finish the sentence. So why am I, why am I suffering? What, that's not, what, so you can say, well, why am I suffering? Unusual pain, that's a good question, but, 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 but Rashi says, no, she was asking, why, in, if I have such pain, why am I pregnant at all? Why am I credit or why why am I praying? Why have why have, have I been praying for this pregnancy? In other words, she was seeking abortion. She was entertaining our mother Rebecca was entertaining right here when she had the pain. She said, Why am I what happened to me? I don't who needs that kind of a pain? Why am I pregnant? Why have I been praying for this pregnancy? Uh, I, I can live without it, which means she gave up her aspiration to have 12 children, and she gave up her aspiration even to have these children. And she was ready to abort, imagine that. In fact, the Midrash says that because of this bad thought that she had, uh, she was indeed, Hashem actually, so to speak, listened to her, and she really never conceived again. And she was not elected to be the mother of Jewish people. She never had 12 children. This was uh, rendered to or given to the future generation, which is uh, uh, Leah and Rachel, Jacob, wife, not her. So she was, she was punished by this bad thought. Here we see 
the 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 rising or the bad bad inclination she had from it from her father home in her father in in her use in in a, in the betuel betuel home and the Laban home she probably witnesses many abortions and for her it was something natural and she thought well if I'm such a pregnant it she, she wouldn't do it that easy, but she went to seek Hashem advice, but this was on her mind to abort. So why, so there are different, let's, let's observe, let's see. She said, she went to seek Hashem. So while she was thinking those thoughts about abortion or not, she was thinking, she was, uh, the boss said that she went to seek Hashem. What does it mean to seek Hashem? So some said, uh, uh, a popular explanation hall that she went to inquire Hashem about the future. It's like an oracle. So she went to seek Hashem to say, well, if I'm such a bad pregnancy and I want to abort, so should I do it or not? Let me know the future. And as if she went, we don't know to whom, she went to seek Hashem. That's a common explanation. And that's Oracle, so to speak, tell her that two nations are in your womb and two people from your inside will depart. People, one people will become mightier than the other and the mighty one will serve the, the lesser one. That's famous word. So she, uh, she went to an oracle, and the oracle says to her, so to speak, uh, "Well, don't, uh, don't, don't do that. Don't do that because uh, uh, you will have you have a special you you have a special uh, pregnancy now, and uh, so you have a future, a good future. So don't abort." That explanation is against the Torah because the Torah doesn't believe in, in asking the future, especially going to Yudhev Avkei, to Hashem, as an oracle to ask the future. Nobody does that. And who is the person who can... It's, we, we don't have a degree Delphi to ask the future. And the only thing that Israel, uh, the people go to the rabbis, is to ask for guidance, but not to forecast the future. Even the prophet Jeremiah and all this, when they say, Oh, you know, evil, evil, evil will come from the north. It's only contingent. It's only a threat. They don't say, well, it should come. But it says if you have the option, and and it's depicted as if from they have understanding of the future, but not that they necessarily see the future. The vision. Uh, only one one person, Samuel, is described as seeing. He has a vision. He's called a visioner. But most of the most of the prophets never deal with it. They're, they're not serving as an oracle. So she there is no she didn't go to Hashem to ask the future. So what did she what did she went to Hashem for? Remember she was wanted to abort. So she went to Hashem. Why do we go to Hashem to ask the Allah what to do? Who is that Hashem? Hashem is here represented by no other but the son of Noah, Shem. Shem, as Rashi says, Shem is the Torah authority of that time. They all were the children of Shem and Noah. They all were, they were, they were not Jews at that time. These are the people, Rebecca and Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, they're all B'nai Noah. And, and she come to whom to she going to seek advice from? From, from Malachic authority, from Shem. The son, who was the head of the Torah Academy in Jerusalem, not far where she lived, to ask him, well, should I abort or not? So how come she come to Hashem to ask Allah uh, to abort or not? Isn't that uh, forbidden from the time of Noah? Because Noah, when Noah stood there by the rainbow, uh, Hashem told him, whoever shed blood, man of man, his own blood shall be shed. Man in man is, is depicted uh, as abortion. So uh, Noah already told everyone from 
so many generations earlier that abortion is forbidden, actually punishable by death, almost death penalty, conceptually. So how, how come how come she asks Hashem? She asks Hashem of no 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 other but Hashem or, or, or Hashem himself. You have Afkei, the merciful one, to abort or not. Whereas the halachas say clearly, you cannot abort. Oh, the, the answer is she knew that there are exemptions, and the, the the prohibition of abortion is not is not include. It's not uh, uh, excluding. It cannot exclude cases that the her the mother the mother wealth. When the mother wealth is uh, uh, health is in danger, so in that case, her right to live is weighted against the child of the of the son to live. The son is already the embryo is a regarded here as a son, full right of a human. Not only son is a full nation. Each child is, in, is not only a person but is a whole nation. So abortion, he has a right to live, and she has a right to live. So the, here is a, the, a waving right against right. What a good introduction to the topic of justice. When we are born, right there we are born, the, 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 the question of, of the character of our parents, the, our, our right to be righteous people or bad people, uh, we will discuss it. So the basic notion of righteousness and justice in the world, and our heritage, our background, and where are the, how does Hashem judge us? And and here is a clear, clear, uh, clear uh, uh, example. The Torah presents you with a struggle between two rights: her right to live as opposed to the child life like to live. So she should abort or not. Well, the Alaha says in that case, clearly, her right is to abort. So now we understand what Hashem is telling her. Yes, you have a right to abort. Hashem is here, Shem, the Midrash says. So, so the Shem, the son of Noah, says you have the right to abort if you have suffered for pain, but you know you, the choice is in your hand because each one of them is destined to become a big nation, and that's true actually from from every woman. Uh, when she she has a right to abort, but she, every child is a mother, is a father, or mother of a whole line of people that will come from her for for eternity. So when you when you kill an embryo, when you when you commit abortion. You actually stop a whole line of future humankind. Um, can be how many generations you you actually kill by that abortion? That's one interpretation. There are many other interpretations that we kind of can consider today. Uh, she she went to ask Hashem. Now the word Hashem. How why should we go to to ask Hashem for mercy? So says Orachaim uh, is a major commentary. He says, well, if she, she asks Hashem for mercy uh, to finish the pregnancy. Have mercy on me. Let me finish. The, I'm going to abort. I have so many pain. So have mercy. I want to continue with that pregnancy. So here Orachaim brings the opposite notion that she was she didn't uh, instead of instead of saying that she entertained. The abortion, she overcome it, and she says, she says, well, uh, I I know that I can abort. I, I I have inclination to abort. Please, Hashem, help me to overcome my bad inclination. This is precisely what we said. This is a righteous person uh, doing. She recognized what she can do. She recognized inclination, what she can do. And she says, please, Hashem, help me. That's a beautiful expo uh, expo uh, uh, comment, commentary of uh, Orachim. Now, uh, 
we can uh, think we can stop here because uh, the 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 next topic will be the to analyze the the the, the twins that each each twin represent a total totally different character and 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 one is them destined so to speak to become evil person one of them is destined to become a righteous person so to speak so where is the personal free will if you say that where is the personal free will and and, and i think each one of us in his life has met twins that really fulfilled that we uh, story here one twin, one member of the twin became righteous. One of them become, went to the other one as if, as if the genes have something to do, uh, the 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 loading, the the constituency, the genetic makeup of a person can determine what he will do in life, and that's of course negate the whole, the whole notion of 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 responsibility, and the whole notion of righteousness, and how does Hashem. Uh, judge uh, us if if we if if he made us uh, inclined to do bad things. So where is my personal uh, uh, merit? How can if if the uh, Asa Isa was was destined to become a bad person, so to speak, from birth? So he has a claim. You made me like that. So you took my right. I wanted to be a righteous man, but you took my right. You can say to Hashem. And why do you why do you like Jacob and you don't like me? Well, you made me like that. So all this is 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 related to justice, the heavenly court, uh, and also remember the topic is our court. When 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 we judge people, how far we have to go and judge people to uh, in, in, if they do if they are right or bad. Uh, how far we have to account the history, the gen, the genes, the family, the 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 the, the 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 environment that they grew up with? How much does it affect the judge, the human judge now, when he when he issued the verdict? So how much we have to consider all these topics? So that comes out when as as, a, as in the next class we're going to focus now on on the twins. But today we focus on, on the father and mother, and we saw that uh, each one come from a different heritage, which probably express itself now in the twins. No wonder that one twin is completely bad, one one blood is completely good. Could be that the, the, the Re Rebecca herself is responsible for Esau. And, and and how you how would you judge the twins when they when they come from the heavenly court? All that all that we'll see next week. Fine. Now uh, said somebody uh, asked a question: How old was Rebecca when she left her family to go to Isaac? Uh, there are different traditions. One tradition said that she she was born at the time of the binding of Isaac. Now Isaac was 30, uh, 30 years old according to tradition uh, on the on the altar. So now he's, uh, uh, he's 60 years old and he already married. Uh, he was he was 40 years 40 years old when 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 the verse when he took Isaac Rebecca. So some said, indeed you will find such such. Uh, Rabbi, many commentaries have said that she was three years old when she married Isaac. Well, you know, so the, you ask, of course, how can a three years old girl marry a person who is 40? And and how come she at age three already watered all the camel caravan and all those things? So the same rabbi will answer you that their time and their that nature, human nature has changed. What what those generations could achieve at age three, we don't achieve even at the age of forty. So that's their that's their explanation. Uh, other people, and I think that's probably the better better answer is that we don't know. We don't know exactly. The Torah doesn't say how much how old was she. Uh, she could have been well a, a girl, seventeen or, or eighteen. That makes more sense to me. And uh, the Torah just simply doesn't say anything about her age. The, the, the age is focused here on, only on Isaac.
And so she must be older, and she must be, a, a, he was older than her, uh, but, but uh, and they were married uh, about 20 years. They were married 20 years before she conceived. So, so how old was she when she conceived? You can imagine, 15 plus 20 is 35. So it could be that she was already 35 or 40 when she, she was conceiving uh, the, the, the twins. It makes you really think that when you choose a judge in the human court, you must hope that they don't just know the law but are wise. That's always true. Uh, although I don't see how your comment is related to what we are doing, what we said now. Uh, we, we never answered yet, we never answered yet our question how a judge could really, how far he has to go. Because the Torah is going to answer it. The next time we'll see. How far a judge, humankind, human judge should go when, when, when he, uh, he judge a person. Uh, we'll see there, uh, maybe next time. Setting up justice. What do you want to say? Why is, why is it setting up justice? Yes. Yes, but the question is uh, not, not, not on that. The question is, when you judge a person and, and O.J. Simpson come to you, stand before the judge, should the judge say, oh, O.J. Simpson come from a rubbish family, uh, his father was a no one, a nowhere, he didn't work, uh, he witnesses all his life, he witnesses crime, uh, so he had a bad genes, he had a bad, bad uprising, he saw in his neighborhood, he in the Bronx there, each one supposedly grew up in Bronx, shooting and killing and murder. So what do you expect from him? Uh, so he, he carried this garbage on, on his back all his life. So should the judge take this? How much of that we should take into account? That's how the question is. The human judge, should, should how much of that should he consider? And how much, of course, the heavenly court does it, but the heavenly court is also responsible for our makeup, uh, the heavenly court is the one who make up, make us. So if he made us uh, with bad, with bad inclination, uh, so so how much we are responsible? But we all, we already, I already answered to you a little bit by saying that actually having bad inclination actually allow you to be a greater man. Uh, being born Esau, it doesn't necessarily determine his life. Uh, he can he just determine his battle. He has to struggle against him, but, but the, the, uh, the, the, the reward is enormous, much more than a person who never, who never had to fight. All right, uh, uh, I think it's a lot of things, to, a lot of material to think about. Read it again, and we will continue our, our story of judgment with a shame help next week at the same time. Well, it's so, so much pleasure to be with you. I see new, new names here. Welcome, and stay with us, and uh, we will all together learn the Torah. Have a good night, a good Shabbat. Bye.